It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. And we are here recording. You know, the intention was, uh, after the last podcast, to have a big Elite Prospect Day preview-type podcast uh, where we kind of... um, introduce or or help the fan base get to know some of the key 2023 recruits to know over the next year Um, but since then we have also had some coaching rumors coaching news um, all that good stuff break so we will start the show there Um, before we jump into it I do want to highlight and I mentioned this in the last podcast too starting Friday because it is Elite Prospect Day weekend. Um, We are offering a 50% off annual subscription deal. I believe that puts it at about 53 bucks for a yearly subscription. Um, You know, it's gonna be a busy weekend uh, with recruiting updates for that day and a busy year in general with, with Mario Cristobal now as the head coach. Recruiting is about to hit another level Um, so I would recommend everyone jumping on board, taking advantage of that. So many people have, um, over the past two months and we definitely appreciate that. Uh, but let's, let's keep the party rolling. Um, so that's enough plugging of that deal. Uh, let's jump into kind of, uh, Miami coaching staff news, Gabby. Um, you know, we, we maintained, um, that the intention was for secondary coach Travaris Robinson to be retained at Miami. Um, I think that was the understanding that was going to happen. That's what T-Rob was telling everyone. That's what everyone around the program was, was kind of putting out there. Um, but uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe around Christmas time. I don't know when exactly this, this kind of development emerged. Um, it became clear that there was a possibility of Alabama having an opening at one of their secondary coach uh, positions and, and also to potentially Georgia, right? Um, so those two programs are certainly a threat for any coaching staff if they want one of your guys, right? Um, That was the case with T-Rob. As we have now reported, and it's kind of been verified, et cetera, out there, uh, he is going to move on to Alabama. And uh, so that is another coaching position that Mario Cristobal will look to fill. Um, 
what was your reaction to that? I, I mean, look, I think it's a tough loss because I do think T Rob is, is a really good coach. Um, it would have been big time to retain him, uh, but it's, it's hard to turn down Alabama and Mario Cristobal, of course, of all people would know that. Um, so Gabby, what's, what's kind of your reaction? How big of a blow is this, et cetera? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess just for all the reasons you said, David, I feel like this is something we kind of saw coming. I mean, just even like through like just the coaching community, there was whispers that, you know, Travaris Robinson was linked. There was going to be linked to both those openings and, you know, an opportunity to work at Alabama. Again, it's just, it's when, when a job like that opens up, I feel like it's, it's tough to sort of say no. Um, again, I do think that the plan was to stay at Miami and all that stuff, but when Nick Saban comes calling, I, again, that's just a situation where, you know, if, if, if it's anyone that's going to be able to pry a guy like T-Rob from Miami and all that stuff, it's, uh, you know, Nick Saban, a guy like that. So, yeah, I do think it's, there's a loss there, um, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, you know, everything that he's just done throughout his, his career, really, he only recruited Miami for Miami for like 12 months. So, you know, we got, we definitely got a glimpse of that, but from uh, a recruiting standpoint, I definitely think that, that, you know, hurts in a way. And then obviously from a coaching standpoint, I think he's, you know, definitely one of the better defensive backs coaches. I think that was a position Miami needed to sort of upgrade. Um, you know, I think that again, the talent that's in the room is good. So, you know, I think it's set up well for the next person to sort of walk in there, but you know, it's never ideal to lose a guy like T Rob again. Uh, you know, we just kind of got to wait and see how this goes, see what the replacement is, but you know, definitely a blow to Miami. Yeah. And wish T Rob all the best. Um, you know, I think overall he, he did a pretty good job at Miami um, with, with what he had to work with. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, coaching, coaching staffs and situations this time of year, everything is fluid. Um, and, and I think that goes for, you know, Miami trying to add to their staff as well, right? Um, you know, I don't think anything's off the table uh, with the amount that Miami's willing to spend on their staff. And with the belief that Miami is going to win at a high level now that Mario Cristobal is the head coach. So let's transition now to, um, you know, what appears to be some whiffs, at least one whiff that I, I feel strong, you know, is actually the case. And then one that, you know, is kind of reported to be the case. And I'm not sure if it is necessarily a whiff or not at offensive coordinator, um, but, but let's start with Jason Candle, right? This report surfaced by Football Scoop. Um, when was it? I, I forget. Tuesday night, maybe? Yeah, uh, I think it was, early. it was definitely earlier in the week. So Tuesday night, maybe. Maybe Monday night. I forget. It might have been Monday night. Anyways, he is the head coach at Toledo, right? And the report was that... He was Mario Cristobal's top candidate to be the offensive coordinator. Um, I, I, I feel confident that that is the case, that he was Mario Cristobal's top target. Um, and, you know, I, I think I texted you, Gabby, when that report surfaced, my thinking was, okay, like my reaction was, man, the fact that this got out makes me think it's not going to happen now because yeah. he is an active head coach. Right. Um, and it was very quiet on that front leading up to that story breaking. 
right? right. Which an active head coach would want and need. Um, so from that point, like if it didn't happen within 24 hours of that report surfacing, I think it was, it was going to be tough to make happen. Right. Because it, if you're going to hire an active head coach, it's just a rare thing, right? You don't really see that, um, you know, a, a head coach at a G5 going to be a coordinator at a P5. Um, so it kind of had to be like a bang, bang type situation out of nowhere, shock the world type of deal. Right. Um, so when the news was leaked, I was wondering, okay, who's leaking that? Who's putting that right, out there? Yeah. You know, what's the motive? Yada, yada, yada. I do think it was true. Um, but anyways, in the following days, I think it took two days maybe. And, and I'll say this too. When that story broke, I had people both on Miami side and on Toledo side telling me they thought it was going to happen. Uh, so it, it seemed like there was a, a strong belief that Yes, this is trending in this direction. Now, of course, we know now that, you know, Jason Candle, I guess, didn't feel comfortable or, or felt the pressure of having to make a decision before he wanted to make a decision. Um, and so he has not, he, he turned down the opportunity. Um, but what we do know, which I've independently confirmed, is uh, it sounds like Mario and Miami are offering about 1.7 million um, to their offensive coordinator uh, candidates, right? Or at least to Jason Candle. That was also reported. You know, I, I also got that feedback that that's what Kendall Bryles was off offered. We will talk more about Kendall Bryles here in a little bit. But to me, that number is big, right? 1.7 million. Um, that number 1.7 million would trail only, you know, of the 2021 salaries um, for the, you know, the 2021 season of all the offensive coordinators in the country that would trail only Tony Elliott of Clemson, right. Who was at Clemson at the time. He's now at Virginia, of course, but he made 2.1 million at Clemson as the offensive coordinator last season. Um, after him, the next highest paid OC, was Kevin Wilson at Ohio State. He paid $1.4 million, right? So Mario Cristobal is willing to pay an offensive coordinator top three money in the country um, at that position. Now, it should be noted that mainly it's, it's defensive coordinators that get paid the most simply because a lot of the top Offensive coordinators in college football are also head coaches, right? So Lincoln Riley, Dan Mullen, Jimbo Fisher, Ryan Day, Steve Sarkeesian, Chip Kelly. These are like the top offensive coordinators in college football. They're also head coaches, right? So they don't necessarily need to pay a ton of money for an offensive coordinator on those staff. So, but still, 1.7 million is appears to be around the number that Miami's going to pay for an OC. Um, but anyways, I'm curious, Gabby, how did you absorb this Jason Candle saga? Yeah, I was kind of on board, you know, just kind of knowing who he is. I mean, I think just the benefit of adding a G5 head coach 
uh, as an offensive coordinator, again, I had, you know, heard that that was, that he was a very legitimate candidate from, you know, from what I understand, you know, someone Mario trusts is someone that vetted, you know, Jason Candle. And I think that that was definitely someone that was intriguing to him. Um, you know, I, 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 again, I think he would have been a, a pretty good candidate. Again, he was a name that I wasn't really like super familiar with heading into it. But once I sort of heard about it, it felt like someone that made sense. Um, it's, it's not happening again. I feel like it kind of came up and sort of, you know, bubbled away uh, relatively quickly. So not a whole time to sort of digest it, but, you know, sort of it is what it is. And, you know, I'm feeling confident that, you know, Mario's willing to pay top dollar for, a play caller and you know there's he's there's definitely a candidate out there uh, an exciting candidate out there that you know i think people should should be excited about so after the jason candle report surface uh then we got some kendall bryles report surfacing right and i don't know what to make of these reports quite frankly um you know we will admit when we don't really know in detail some things. We know some things with the Kendall Browse stuff, but I don't feel comfortable to the point of saying, yes, Miami legitimately offered Kendall Bryles. Um, I do think they were talking this whole time, no matter what, uh, you know, Mario Cristobal and Kendall Bryles. There's no denying that. I do know that. There was deep, long discussions uh, between the two parties where I, I'm not sure, I mean, to me, the vibe I'm getting is Riles wanted uh, an offer from Miami to try and leverage a raise from Arkansas. Um, I, I, I know Kendall Bryles and his camp are telling everyone that'll listen to him that Miami legitimately offered him. He had many sleepless nights thinking over this decision. Um, uh, he was offered 1.7 million by Miami that to me, and look, maybe it's all true. And maybe he legitimately just wants to stay at Arkansas, but that is a departure from what I know early in the process where Kendall Browse was beating down Mario Cristobal's door to try and get this job. He was extremely excited about, you know, the prospect of, trying to get to Miami. It's a job he really, really appeared to want. Um, and so that's where I'm just kind of like, okay, if you really had the opportunity to go to Miami, you know, but him you probably not, would have taken it. It seemed that way, right? In right. terms of just things I know. But I mean, look, there are good reporters out there reporting that he or he um he did have a legitimate offer from Miami. And again, I believe he is telling people that, and I believe his camp is telling people that. Um, I will say, um, you know, it is interesting that like Mario's two trusted guys from a national media perspective, Bruce Feldman and Pete Thamel, aren't really touching it. Um, I will. I mean, they they didn't touch the the Jason Candle story either for what, whatever that's worth. But, um, you know, again, 1.7 million, uh, appears to be the number everyone wants to throw out there that Mario's willing to pay. Um, what do you, how do you read this Kendall Bryles situation? Because I mean, look, it could be true. Uh, right. I could be out of the loop on this one. Um, it just doesn't, 
it doesn't line up with kind of everything I know about it is what I would say. Yeah. And I, I think I like early on, I feel like we knew Kendall Bras was a candidate. I mean, I feel like when the whole Joe Brady smoke started sort of right out of the gate, um, I feel like, you know, David, you were the first person to mention Kendall Bryles and we were the first, like, not like, I don't know, but we started mentioning, Hey, Kendall Bryles is a name to be, to keep an eye on. Also, I think that, you know, again, I think that he's probably been a guy that's been talking with Mario Cristobal this whole time. And I do think that there's a reason why, you know, over probably a month later from when we first started, you know, tossing his name out there that nothing formal was sort of agreed upon. And that tells me that at least initially there wasn't an offer. And then right now him saying that there was an offer and all that stuff or whatever it is. Um, I do think that it's an inter- that it's interesting just to think of how long his name has sort of been at least, you know, linked to Miami in a way to the time that all this stuff sort of started to come out about having the formal offer and all that stuff. So I don't know. I think that's definitely something to keep in mind, but again, I like Kendall Bryles as a play caller. I think that I thought that he would be a really good, I thought he would be a really good option uh, for Miami and all that stuff. Again, I think he was someone that we were sort of tracking the whole time, but you know, if he had an offer, if he didn't have an offer, it seems like he's staying with Arkansas and you know, it's, it's, you know, if Miami needs to pivot now, again, I'm still okay with, you know, the process. I think the process is going to be okay. I don't think there's any immediate rush to get this done. Uh, Mario's had a, you know, a ton of success already recruiting for Miami without those guys. And yeah, you have the elite prospect weekend and, uh, you know, you have this, you know, last weekend of official visits before national signing day. And, you know, what is it? Oh, not a week from today, two weeks from, from, from Wednesday. Um, I don't think there's any rush to get anything done by then. I think that you just let everything play out, see what other names surface and, you know, just sort of move on from there. I agree. You know, so where does Mario go from here? I agree with those sentiments, right? I, I think, and look, I'm done like putting a timeline on anything Mario Cristobal does anymore, right? I just think he's going to operate by the, by his own timeline. And I, I think he believes, you know, look, my focus right now for the next two weeks is recruiting. Um, and I'm the alpha recruiter. I can handle the remaining targets for this 2022 class. Um, And and for the most part, I agree with that. Um, So if I'm Mario, I'm taking my time and exploring more options, Uh, whether that is waiting for the NFL cycle, the NFL carousel to play out. Uh, I think you could argue too, um, the college pool will expand after national signing day, I think a lot of coaches right now aren't necessarily willing to talk with Mario or any, anyone because the focus now, you know, with two weeks until national signing day is recruiting. Um, coaches are on the road, you know, stopping at 2023 high schools, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and Mario's just busy recruiting himself, right? We've, we've detailed how his interview process of coordinators is grueling. So um, if I'm him, I'm waiting things out, um, seeing what other options are going to bubble up. And also too, honestly, and this is just me speculating, right? Let's say Jason Candle goes through National Signing Day um, and there's no more National Signing Day pressure to hurry up and make a decision. Why can't Mario Cristobal circle back around on him, right? Um, right. After National Signing Day. Um, and I get like it's frustrating 
to have to wait. It's annoying to have to wait from a fan base perspective. Um, but here's why, you know, the reason why I'm not necessarily concerned that him missing on his quote unquote top targets in like Jason Candle and uh, Kendall Bryles, to me, I'm not like extremely concerned is because of the money, right? If Miami was working with some sort of mid-tier budget, like they have been exactly. working with, um, and you get turned down by your top choices, then um, it's tough, right? Because you're you're trying to you're trying to find those diamonds in the rough, I guess is how you'd phrase it. But now Miami's paying big money, and uh, there are a lot of quality coaches out there that I think will be interested in Miami because of that, you know. And I do think everything's going to work out at the end of the day because of the money. Um, also, you know, I trust Mario Cristobal's track record. He's shown he's very good at hiring coordinators. Um, many of his coordinators, you know, dating back to FIU, are either now big-time coordinators at the P5 level or they've gone on to be head coaches, right? So his process does work. Again, his process is notoriously slow, um, which again, it's frustrating from a fan base perspective, um, but it does deliver results. Um, I will say this too, Gabby. I do think um, one thing he, Mario Cristobal does have to deal with when putting together a staff and I don't necessarily think this is a bad thing, um, but it is something he has to deal with, is he has a reputation of grinding down his staff, right? He's very demanding. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't run an organization that is chill and loose. Um, he's all about putting in the work, both with you know football, on the football side of things with their own team, and then also very demanding in recruiting. Um, some coaches aren't up for that. Some coaches aren't up for that demanding style. You know, it's my impression that, you know, if Kendall Bryles did have a legitimate offer, that was one of the reasons why he was concerned about Miami um, or, you know, Mario Cristobal. Uh, maybe that personality wouldn't work for him. So, uh, you know, Mario Cristobal's just got to find the guys that are willing to, um, work at that standard. And, and, you know, in terms of like, does this hurt recruiting? I don't think it necessarily hurts with the 2022 cycle. I don't even think it hurts with 2023. There's still plenty of time so for 2023. Time. Um, where I do think it hurts though, in terms of talent acquisition is transfer portal guys, right? I think, yeah. I think transfer portal guys want to know who's the coordinator, who's my position coach, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I do think it hurts in that regard, but I, you know, I think the portal is going to get flooded again after spring football. I think it's going to get flooded again in the summer. I think there's going to be plenty of options there. Um, no matter what, what do you think of, in nope. terms of like talent acquisition, does this patient approach hurt anything in your opinion? No, I mean, it, it doesn't. I think really the only thing is the transfer portal. And I was literally going to go right there is that like after the spring, we're going to see another, you know, another wave of, of portal guys again. And then in the summer, you're going to see more. And th th this isn't stopping anytime soon. So, 
you know, there's guys right now that, you know, are probably just saying, you know what, let me just stick it out a little bit longer in the spring. There's 2000 guys in the transfer portal. Let me just kind of wait and see how this sort of goes. And then after the spring, maybe I can test it all out and all that stuff. I think that that's, I think that there's a lot of people that are doing that. If there's people transferring right after the season, I think there's going to be people that, you know, are going to wait and see how this, you know, first semester goes. Let's say if there was a new coaching, if there's a new coaching staff in place, how do they like all that? You know, where do they sort of fall on the depth chart? All those types of things that's going to sort of open up the transfer portal again after the spring. So, you know, yes, sure, there's guys that Miami might be missing on right now because they don't have people in place. But I think there's going to be up other opportunities to, to add talent, uh, you know, across. You know, there, there's going to be guys that have big springs and there's going to be guys that, you know, sort of blow up in the spring and maybe decide then, hey, let me try to make the leap from, you know, the G5 level to the Power 5 level. There's always going to be new names that emerge. We sort of see it every year. Um, and I believe that, you know, again, right now, I don't think it's worth like just rushing everything just to make sure you have it again with the 23s. There's so much time. Like we talk, we, you see how things change uh, from a recruiting standpoint, like on a weekly basis right now, especially with like the class of 2022, right. there's so much time for the 2023s that it's not a big deal that Miami doesn't have an offensive coordinator in place. If a five-star quarterback is coming in this weekend, you know, there's going to be time to build those relationships and all those types of things. So, I mean, I think the patient approach is the right one. I think, again, getting it right is more more important than doing it quickly or, you know, I guess, I mean, yeah, the timeline's already getting a little long and all that stuff. But at this point, I mean, if it's another two weeks, even if it's another three weeks, I mean, it's not a huge deal in my opinion. Get the right guys. Get the right coaches. Yeah. Um, so we'll leave it at that and uh, we'll take a break now. And on the other side, we will highlight the, you know, some talented 2023 prospects to know that will be swinging by Miami's campus on Elite Prospect Day. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back. Gabby, I asked you to, because it's 2023, right? And it's it's very early. Um, we're all just kind of learning these names right now, especially since it's a new head coach, right? Um, so uh, I asked you to give me a name to know at each position that's planning to be in Coral Gables at some point for this Elite Prospect Day weekend. Um, so let's start with quarterback. Um, and you highlighted five-star Dante Moore, number eight overall player in the country out of Detroit, Michigan. What do we need to know about him? Yeah, I mean, just again, we're just when you bring in these elite prospects and all that stuff, you like to hear that a quarterback's coming into town. Um, not a lot of big, I mean, how it typically goes in South Florida, not a lot of like local names to sort of know. So for them to get a guy like 
you know, Dante Moore, who again is a five star out of Detroit, Michigan to come down. You know, this was sort of a part of the whole plan of even doing it this weekend. Battle Miami is the big seven on seven tournament that they're hosting down here. Uh, Dante Moore and his team are coming down for the weekend. He plays for sound mind, sound body. And uh, from what I understand, he's going to be, you know, again, one of the many guys who are going to be, you know, swinging by Miami's campus again. This is a, we have him ranked as the, well, the composite has him ranked as the number eight overall player and the number three quarterback in a, in a pretty loaded class, uh, class of 2023 at quarterback. So I think it's a, it's a big deal. He's also one of two quarterbacks that Miami's actually offered since Mario Cristobal took over. So, um, you know, this is definitely a name that you're going to want to keep in mind. And I think that, you know, this is probably going to be one of those big arms that Miami's going to chase, at least at this point. Uh, without a coordinator in place to sort of further evaluate the quarterback position. And it's early in his recruitment, right? But, you know, being from Detroit, sounds like Michigan, Michigan State, obviously going to be teams to watch there. Uh, as a junior, accounted for 3,000 yards, 40 touchdowns. Watching his highlights, um, you know, looks like a guy that has a big arm, uh, has a guy that he is a guy that can throw off different platforms arm angles, kill you from the pocket, uh, athletic enough to buy time, athletic enough to scramble for some yardage. Um, his throwing ability reminds me a little bit of Caleb Williams. I think Caleb's more athletic as a runner, um, but definitely a guy with a lot of arm talent. Uh, definitely see why he's a five-star guy. Um, and a four-year starter. Well, I guess a three-year starter because he's just a junior, but will be a four-year starter, uh, right. you know, by the time he wraps up his high school career. So a guy that's played a lot of football, I mean, that's big. We saw some guys have to miss a year or something like that, just especially his 2022 class of quarterbacks. And even the, you know, 2021 class, some guys had to miss some time or, you know, with all with the whole COVID stuff that some people's seasons got canceled. This, so this is a guy that's played out his entire high school career, which I think is a pretty big deal. At running back, you highlighted five-star, number 16 overall in the country, Richard Young out of Lehigh High School, which is in the Fort Myers area of the state of Florida. Um, tell us what we need to know about this guy. Yeah, Richard Young is just an absolute monster. I mean, when you just consider the top running backs in the country, you're probably looking at Ruben Owens from Texas and uh, Richard Young. And depending on who you're going to ask is who's going to tell you, uh, you know, which guy they feel like is the best. But Richard Young, I mean, five foot 11, 200 pounder, you know, absolute mammoth of a man, you know, definitely a guy that runs the ball hard, um, almost 2000 yards on the on the season as a junior, 1,755 yards, 19 touchdowns. So, you know, definitely one of the very best in the country. Nick Saban's uh, been by to see him at Lehigh this week. Uh, Florida was there. Um, you know, a multitude Ryan of Day. other schools. Ryan Day at Ohio State was there. He, I, I believe he's taken a couple unofficial visits to, to Ohio State. So that's a school definitely really involved there. This is going to be his first trip to Miami, um, you know, really yeah. as a, as a high-level recruit. Um, again, yeah, super crazy just because he is so close. But, uh, you know, again, that's the Mario Cristobal effect. This is something that happened extremely quickly after Mario Cristobal announced that elite prospect day. So definitely a big deal that Miami's getting him on campus. His film's a lot of fun to watch. Um, he is so big time talent, right? Very explosive, yeah. quick accelerator to his top speed. Uh, obviously, has a strong build. He reminds me a lot of Dalvin Cook. Like he is the most 
he's the closest thing to Dalvin Cook I've seen since Dalvin Cook, which was the 2014 recruiting class. Um, just that explosive slasher type. And, you know, look, just the, the schools that have visited him already this week tells you how big of a deal he is. Uh, Alabama's top target, Ohio State's top target. Do you, Gabby, do you know, because, you know, for a lot of these guys, they're visiting, you know, because of the battle Miami tournament uh, that's going on in the area yeah. at the same weekend. Is he participating in that or is he coming on his own for the elite prospect day? Do you think? Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess, I mean, there's always a chance that, you know, a guy like that is going to play with someone, even if there's not like a local, you know, right. Le- Lehigh team or Naples team or Fort Myers team or whatever it is. Um, you know, if a guy, a guy like that will get calls from fast Houston and, uh, you know, right. big time pro cam Newton, seven on seven team. And, you know, they'll probably try to, to get him on a roster. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see who he plays with. It could be any number of teams given how this seven on seven stuff works. If he does play one guy who is visiting, that's on a big time local seven on seven team that you wanted to highlight at wide receiver is Brandon Ennis, uh, five-star number nine overall player in the country, six foot, 190, plays at American Heritage Plantation High School. Um, I think even maybe casual fans know who he is now because he's been, yeah, he's kind of been on the scene since eighth grade, honestly, yeah. um, and, and been a playmaker since eighth grade. So uh, tell us what we, like, why is he now on the radar for Miami? Because that wasn't the case during the Manny Diaz era. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, he decided to give an early commitment to, to Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. That sort of blew up a little bit once he made that move to USC. And, you know, he didn't immediately follow him to USC like some of the other Oklahoma commits did. So, again, I think this sort of just opens the door back up for Miami. And, you know, the way that he's been talking about Brian McClendon and, you know, it just seems like he, there's a, a renewed interest in Miami and the local team. And, again, Brian McClendon uh, appears to be one of the very best in the business with just considering who he sort of coached and developed. And I think he's someone a lot of guys down here respect and and really seem to like. And so I'm interested to see how they sort of interact and, you know, just to sort of see where Miami really stands in this. Cause you know, even just talking to people close to him, it sounds like he's, he's excited about Miami that, you know, he's really gonna, he's going to give them like a hard look now. And I think that they're going to be firmly in the mix of this thing, probably, uh, you know, until he makes another commitment, whether it's to USC or if it's, you know, again, just down the road, I'm not exactly sure what the timeline's looking like right now, but uh, I think Miami's done a really good job sort of giving themselves another shot in the arm in this recruitment. Again, a guy pe- that people are very familiar with at this point, a five-star receiver, um, a, a, an elite amongst a few other elite wide receivers locally, probably a couple yes. different directions that, that we can go at that position. But I think Brandon is a, Brandon Ennis is a, is definitely a big fish and uh, yeah. one that Miami fans should definitely keep continue to keep an eye on. Yeah, I told you just one per position, but obviously Jalen Brown's another big-time guy. Uh, Hakeem Williams, another big-time guy that are local. Um, in, a, in a recent article, I believe it was with Steve Wiltfong, National 24-7 Sports Recruiting Analyst, he did an article with Brandon, and Brandon said he's basically talking to four schools the most. Uh, USC, which is no surprise, Lincoln Riley's there now, Alabama, and Ohio, Ohio State and Miami. So um, big time player, you know, just seeing him in person many, many times, um, 
he's definitely one of the best route runners I've seen at the high school level. Uh, just has a knack for changing direction smoothly, um, changing speeds to create separation. Very advanced with that at the high school level. Uh, you know, I remember like Amari Cooper, one of the better high school route runners I've, I've ever seen. Jerry Judy, one of the better high school route runners I've ever seen. Um, I would put Rashad Green in there too. Um, so, you know, Brandon's maybe a little different than those guys, Brandon, you can put on the outside or in the slot, a little more versatile that way, but a big time player, no matter what. So, um, he is definitely an interesting name to know at receiver this cycle tight end. Um, you brought forth a prospect from Oregon. Yeah. Four star. Riley Williams, number 110 overall in the country, six foot six, 230 pounds at a Portland Central Catholic. That's a long ways to go to get to Miami. Is I would assume, is he in this battle, Miami? Do we know? Like, does do they have a team coming from the, the yeah. PNW? I, I'm assuming so. I know that they do a lot of stuff like air football and all that stuff. They typically have guys that, you know, travel and do the seven on seven stuff. So I would, I would assume he's a guy that's probably going to be playing. Um, I can't remember if last year there was a team from the Pacific Northwest, but I know there was a team from California um, mm-hmm. that had like Domani Jackson and Larry Turner Goodwin and, and, a, and a couple other of those Cali kids. So I, I'm wondering if maybe there is a team from out there that's going to come down, but you know, I think it's, you know, just the fact that he's kind of getting getting down here again. Someone from Portland, Oregon, very familiar with, you know, Mario Cristobal and those guys from their time at Oregon. I think it's notable that he's sort of giving Miami a look um, on a weekend that's that's littered with junior days. Miami isn't the only team that's having this big junior day on Saturday. So um, I, I do think it's worth noting that he's one of the you know, big time tight ends that's going to make their way down again, yeah. like, like receiver. I mean, I think we could, there's, you could have argued, made an argument for Mac Markway, who's from St. Louis, who's one of the top guys. Right. Uh, Jackson Howard from Minnesota is another guy that could have been in there, but Riley Williams is really intriguing. I mean, top player in the state of Oregon. I think the question sort of becomes like, you know, with the uh, Cyrus Moss recruiting win for Mario Cristobal, um, obviously they're going after a couple other guys out West is how strong can this West coast pipeline sort of stay for yeah. Mario Cristobal, like, are those roots going to transfer over long-term or is this like a one cycle thing where he was able to get an elite West coast guy? So um, definitely a couple, a, a couple dudes are going to put that to the test. I think Riley Williams is going to be one of them at tight end. Yeah. Just watching his film, right. He's clearly, I mean, the, the talent out at Portland, you know, judging off who he was going against, not like elite talent, um, but he's clearly out there making plays. They line him up at a different, bunch of different spots. They line them out wide. They'll play him in line. They'll play him at H back. I think he, f- he finished his, his junior season with 889 yards, 14 touchdowns, averaging about 25 yards per catch. So um, he plays with an impressive catch radius, catches the ball well away from his body, catches the ball in traffic. I wouldn't call him like, like on film, he doesn't appear to be like the most athletic guy in terms of like speed and acceleration. Um, but he's definitely a guy that, you know, uh, if he's covered, even when he's covered, if you throw the ball up to him, he can come down with it. Right. He also plays basketball. 
which I like too. Uh, sure. multi-sport athletes, offensive line, right? Position group that Mario Cristobal cares a lot about. Um, you wanted to highlight an in-state offensive yeah. lineman. Tell us about him. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a really notable guy. I mean, you talk about, um, we're talking about Orlando, Dr. Phillips, uh, four-star Peyton Kirkland, uh, just like really just a, just huge human being. I mean, we have him listed at six, five, 330 pounds. Um, someone that wasn't really heavily considering Miami prior to the Mario Cristobal move. Um, you know, he kind of made a, he kind of listed out a top group. Miami wasn't a part of it. Um, that was until, you know, Mario Cristobal and these guys sort of came around that, you know, he sort of added Miami to that, to that bunch. I mean, other schools in there, Ohio state, Clemson, Oklahoma, Michigan, Penn state, and Georgia. So Miami really the only in-state school that it feels like Peyton Kirkland is heavily considering at this point. Um, you know, again, this is just a massive human being. I saw him his sophomore year against Miami Palmetto in a playoff game. So as a sophomore, he was probably the largest kid on a field that also included Leonard Taylor. So, right. um, you know, I think that, again, I think ideally if Miami can find an offensive lineman in state, the a Peyton Kirkland type, even some IMG kids, a couple kids in Tampa, Jacksonville, those types, I think that would be the ideal recruiting ground for offensive linemen. So I think that just makes Peyton Kirkland one of the top dudes on the board. And, again, they're going to go national, but I think they're going to try – they're always going to try to lock down, you know, the state of Miami per se. And a Peyton Kirkland right. definitely falls inside of that. He reminds me on film of Jalen rivers a little bit. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I can definitely see some of that. I can even see him being like an inside guy type. Well, and honestly, I think Jalen has the athleticism to play right tackle. And honestly, I would give Jalen that look this year if I'm Mario Cristobal. Um, and, and I view Peyton Kirkland as a right tackle. Uh, at the college level. He currently plays left tackle uh, for his high school team primarily, yeah. but he seems to be like, like I think Mario Cristobal is going to recruit big physical offensive linemen, right? I think he's going to, you know, he's not going to shy away from 6'5", 330 types. Whereas I think in the past, in recent years here, we've seen Miami try and recruit like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, to 75 to 290 uh, pound tackles where you, you build them up, right? Um, with, you know, their body type through the college strength and conditioning program. I think Cristobal wants a big physical run blocking offensive line. Um, and, and I think Peyton Kirkland fits that mold. Absolutely. Um, so he's got some good film, physical guy, finishes through defenders. Uh, definitely would be a big time get if they can pull that one off defense. Let's go to defense, um, defensive line. Uh, you highlighted a guy who, unless there's some prospects in Alaska, I don't know if there's anyone in the country. Who <laughs> well, maybe Hawaii, I guess, uh, who could have traveled further than Jaden Wayne, who is a five-star number 31 overall in the country out of Lincoln high school in Tacoma, Washington, six, five, two He was here for what paradise camp, right? Paradise camp. Yeah. So there was already interest there. Um, but I think you noted too, that, that Oregon was his very first offer when he was a high school freshman, right? 
Yeah, Oregon was that first offer, and I mean, guess who was the coaching staff that pulled that pulled the trigger on that? I mean, right. that's Mario Cristobal, um, that's Joe Salavea, and those types of guys. I know that they have an extremely tight relationship. Um, you know, J- J- Jaden Wayne was one of the first recruits that you know I remember hearing was talking to Joe Salavea before. Uh, you know, he was officially hired by Miami. So, you know, I know that he's someone that that he has a lot of respect for. And again, getting him down to Miami again for, you know, an unofficial visit this way. Defensive lineman probably not playing in that battle Miami. I think this is just sort of him uh, sort of, you know, checking out Miami again now that these guys are down here. I think that this is a big, big time visit. You know, I was talking about Riley Williams and those West Coast ties. I think uh, Jaden Wayne is really going to be the one that tests it. Uh, you know, he already got on Oregon's campus with Dan Lanning there. So, you know, they were able to meet. I believe it was either earlier this week um, or just, you know, since the contact period opened up last Friday. So, um, you know, I definitely think that it's going to be a test for Mario Cristobal to see how, you know, strong those West Coast ties can be. And again, I'm not expecting him to go out and land a five star from the Pacific Northwest, but I want to see how far like just how long Miami could really stay right in the thick of this and if they can again I think that'll be a testament to Mario Cristobal's sort of you know footprint over there in that in that region yeah he's a guy so he finished his junior season 16 tackles for loss nine sacks um you know you watch his film uh to me he he has a frame you know when you watch schools like Georgia uh Alabama Texas A&M on the line of scrimmage they have these freaky athletic 275, 280 pound edge guys, right? That can bend around the edge, that can chase down quarterbacks, chase down running backs. To me, Jaden Wayne has that frame that's going to fill out to be like a 275 athletic defensive end. Um, good bend at his size, uh, sets the edge well against the run. It was also interesting too. He plays some wide receiver, um, which is freaky. Uh, not saying he, he can play it at the college level right. at all, but still caught 18 passes for 269 yards and five touchdowns. So um, guy who definitely has plus athleticism as a line of scrimmage player could definitely see why he's a five-star prospect. Um, so next position I said was, edge rush, right? Which is kind of, it's either like a defensive end or a stand-up edge rushing outside linebacker, right? And I think with Mario Cristobal's scheme, you know, these guys are going to have to do both, right? Uh, He wants to have kind of a multiple front. Tell us about who you wanted to highlight there. I'm highlight. I'm highlighting Malik Bryant. He's out of the Orlando. He's out of the Orlando area. Spent the last couple of years at IMG Academy. Um, definitely did a lot of big things there. I mean, he came in after his freshman year at Orla- at Orlando Jones and started as a sophomore at IMG. That's not something you see a lot. So, um, you know, Malik Bryant is definitely one of those guys that could probably put his hand in the dirt and get after the quarterback like that, or be sort of like again the stand up edge guy that could even potentially maybe play some outside linebacker. I think there's a big time talent. Again, you talk about keeping talent home in the state of Florida. Uh, you know, Malik Bryant's going to be one of those guys that's going to, that's definitely going to test Mario Cristobal on that staff. I mean, he's a guy that, that, you know, Florida, that's, that's really high on Florida. A few other schools. I know Georgia really likes him. I mean, he, this is, this is a national recruit. This is a five-star kid. Um, again, he's finishing up his high school career backup where he started it at Orlando Jones. 
uh, going to be at Miami for that elite prospect day. Again, a guy that Miami's already swung by his high school, you know, since they've been out on the road recruiting. I think this is going to be definitely a priority guy. Malik Bryant also came by Hard Rock Stadium for a game this past fall. So uh, some good news. It seems like, again, this is going to be a great opportunity for him to sort of me interact with the new staff and sort of gauge his interest going forward from that. So you've, you've seen him in person, right? Yeah, I have. Is he? A few times. He's listed at six foot two. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's about right. I don't, I don't think he's, he's not one of these like freaky six foot four, uh, you know, okay. edge guys. I think he could be, he's, he's one of those guys that's maybe a little bit smaller that just moves around really, really well. Yeah. On tape, he does, he does, uh, you know, rush the passer well, clearly. But I, it also kind of looks like he could play linebacker. Yeah. Do you think that's fair? Like straight up yeah. linebacker. Yeah, I think I think it's possible. I think he's. I think there's. I think definitely he he's probably he probably fits into that frame that I think he's probably he'll probably be considered like a tweener uh, in terms of just like you know potentially being a linebacker or being maybe just like a small pass rusher or anything like that. But I could definitely see him being one of those guys that you know, ends up moving back to linebacker and is just running all over the field, making plays or coming off the edge and getting after the quarterback and, and just doing all those types of things. It feels like he's a, feels like he's sort of a a versatile, like chess piece type uh, for for a defense. At linebacker, you highlighted a local guy from Miami Killian. Tell us about him. Cause I'm intrigued by him. I've heard, I've heard differing opinions on him, but I do think his film is, is pretty good. Yeah, uh, that's Stanquan Clark. I mean, he's someone that, you know, we, we we were definitely high on early on in the process. And he's growing, man. I saw him at the Miami Immortals tryout. Like, you know, I think he's definitely growing into that linebacker frame. I mean, he's at least 6'2". If he, he could be potentially pushing 6'3". Um, you know, he's big. He's long. He's really athletic. He moves around super well. He was a former safety that sort of started to grow into the box. Um, I think probably the biggest question with him is just his physicality, just how willing of a tackler he's going to end up being. I think that that was a concern, uh, but he's someone that if he puts it all together, I think he's got a, I think he's got a really, really high ceiling just because again, they don't just, there's not a lot of guys running around Dade County that look the way he does that move around the way he does. And, you know, when he wants to sort of turn it on, um, you know, just sort of plays the way he does defensively. I mean, he also, you know, just messing around at those seven on seven events. He's catching passes at wide receiver. Um, you know, he's covering receivers on defense. Um, so I think he's someone that has a has an interesting skill set that I think uh, at linebacker is is pretty valuable. So I mean, if he shows that he's a willing tackler, I think he's a I think he's definitely a Miami guy all the way. And you know, I think it sounds like to me that Mario Cristobal and those guys are are definitely coming after him and showing him that sort of love. He was credited this year with 131 tackles, 24 tackles for loss, four sacks, two picks. But if you do watch his film, right, and those are high school stats. So Yeah, that's a little juiced up to me. No, right. no judgment. But uh, if you do watch his film, right, um, you can tell that the technique, the tackling technique needs to be cleaned up, right? Um, so... But yes, it's clear too that he's a big time athlete. Uh, and you always, you know, every coach thinks they can uh, turn those guys into studs. And Stan Kwan is, is a guy with the high ceiling. Uh, corner, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think this guy's your favorite recruit for the 2023 yeah. cycle. Uh, tell us about him. Yeah. I mean, if you've been following me, you know, this is probably a layup. I'm going with five star Cormani McLean. 
Um, a guy that spent some time in South Florida recently playing for that South Florida Express, Mario Cristobal, DeMarcus Van Dyke, and Kevin Smith, it looked like, were at his high school on Thursday morning. Um, again, I think this is a guy that they're going to go, they're going sort of full court press on uh, with DeMarcus Van Dyke leading that. Probably someone people are going to have questions about with Travaris Robinson heading to Alabama. Um, yeah. From everything that Cormani McLean has told me, it seems like DeMarcus Van Dyke has been sort of the one spearheading that recruitment. So, again, that's definitely something to keep in mind there with the five-star. Um, again, nation's top cornerback, number four overall player. I mean, you just watch this kid move around, and you can just tell that it, it's just so different from the way everyone else looks. I mean, he's had a tryout with – you know, other potential power five uh, cornerbacks, you know, at that South Florida Express event they had a couple weeks ago. And I mean, it's just blatantly obvious who like if you don't know anything about football and you have no idea what's going on and you just stand there and watch all those cornerbacks sort of go through that. Um, you're going to point at Cormani McClain and you're like, yeah, that guy's the best one. I think there's just there's clearly something different about him. And, uh, you know, I think it's good that he's going to be playing with South Florida Express. I think that's going to allow him to spend a lot of time, you know, in Miami. Um, you know, from that Lakeland area. So I think it's a, again, I think Miami's in a good spot there. It seemed to, when he, when I spoke to him at those, at those South Florida Express tryouts, he told me Miami's one of his top two schools, uh, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida, uh, BYU, amongst some of the others that are also involved there. And, uh, you know, Miami's going to be probably the first school to get him on campus, you know, in this contact period. So that's a big deal. Yeah. 6'2", 165, got really nice length. He had 10 interceptions this year nine interceptions last year. Uh, so he just clearly has those instincts as well. Yeah. Finish yeah he, on also, he also intercepted Jakari Brown, uh, yes. Miami's quarterback signee, in a game against the Lions. Yeah, that was a great game, right? That was like a was, shootout, 50-something. Well, absolute shootout. It was sick. It was awesome to watch. And Lions ended up winning, correct? Yeah, yep, they did. And uh, But yeah, you're right. Like you, Some guys you just watch and it's like, yeah, he's obviously going to end up in the NFL. Um He's got all the traits you want in a corner. Um, I feel like, too, I mean, he plays a little receiver. You know, his ceiling, of course, is not as high at receiver, but if he wanted to be a P5 prospect at receiver, he could be. Um, But, yeah, clearly a lockdown guy in coverage. You know, he has a slider frame, so I do think tackling is something he's going to have to work on at the college level. Um, But, I mean, again, there's no such thing as the perfect prospect. Everyone has their own things to work on. And he's a big time player, five-star number four overall in the country. Um, Let's round out this list with a local safety. Yeah. uh, Damon Fagan plantation, American heritage, uh, top two, four, seven guy. Again, um, with T Rob sort of leaving, I think it's important to note that it sounds like DeMarcus Van Dyke is the guy that's recruiting him. Um, Another kid who I think is growing. I mean, you see him listed and he's like at six foot three, um, I think he might be pushing, he, he's getting, again, pushing dangerously close to probably like six, four ish. I mean, this is just a kid that just continues to impress. I think his frame is starting to fill out sort of a, a thin kid, um, you know, sort of long. It seems like, I think he's starting to put on a little bit of weight, which is good. I'm really excited to watch him run around and actually play seven on seven. This go around, um, a lot of plantation American heritage kids don't really do that. Um, it sounds like they're going to this, this sort of, you know, seven on seven circuit. Um, I think Miami's in a really good spot here early on. He really looks up to James Williams. Um, you know, again, he has a great relationship with DeMarcus Van Dyke. And uh, I, I know Ohio State's also involved. Penn State's another school he's visited. And, you know, a couple of in-state schools like Florida State, probably Florida as well. 
So, you know, definitely a few schools involved. But I think, uh, you know, when we're looking at safeties, uh, I know Damon Fagan is one of the guys sitting at the at the top of the board, uh, you know, along with a few others, but definitely as a local guy, a South Florida yeah. kid, I know that he's definitely a name that you guys are going to want to know in this 2023 class, and he is going to be at that elite prospect as well. Yeah, good upside, uh, you know, thinner frame, but like you're mentioning, sounds like he's still growing uh, and is still filling out. But I think he's a willing tackler, even though he's got kind of a thinner frame and uh, he has the length and uh, speed to be effective in coverage as well. Um, so those are the kind of the key positions, key players at each position to know, but there's going to be tons, tons more. Again, there's going to be a 50% off annual subscription deal uh, running this weekend. I, I would think everyone listening to this podcast would want to jump in on the fun. Gabby's going to have it all covered wall to wall. Um, let's end this podcast on this note, right? Because I think anytime there's a big uh, visiting weekend like this, Gabby, uh, the natural question is, will there be any commitments? I, I personally am not expecting any. Um, would you be surprised if Miami gets one commitment from this weekend? Honestly, probably wouldn't be super surprised. Um, again, I wouldn't bet on it, but I mean, if they're able to convince someone to hop on board, I think that that's been Mario's like sort of ideal scenarios, get a couple guys on board early and start to build up that class around them. Um, I'm, I know that they've pushed a couple kids to be like, oh, be the leaders of the class. Again, does it actually happen? on you know i mean over the weekend i doubt it but um you know i'm not ruling out anything at this point but again if i were i think i would probably lean towards no in terms of picking up commitments so you're saying jade and wayne's gonna commit <laughs> that's exactly what i'm saying i'm crystal balling it right now eight confidence score so it'll be a fun weekend um and yeah, there's also the Battle Miami Camp uh, seven on seven tournament, yeah. which I will be at and uh, hopefully seeing most of these guys compete. So we will have an idea about what type of players they are, too. Um, so with that, appreciate everyone listening, as always. Uh, hopefully everyone has a fun, safe weekend. Uh, tell your family you love them. Until next time, take care. Thank you.